Hi, my name is Jonathan Darty, and I'm the founder of Gateway to Freedom, and I used to be addicted to porn and sex. Gateway to Freedom is our workshop for men who want to overcome any kind of sexual struggle or stronghold. It's conducted over three days in a safe, private setting with professional counselors and experts in dealing with sexual brokenness issues. Now, space at each workshop is limited to ensure the highest quality of personal attention. And the workshop is available throughout the year in several locations around the United States. Hundreds of men over the years have found hope and healing through Gateway to Freedom, and I believe you can too. Our next two workshops are coming up in September, uh, one in Texas and the other one in Pennsylvania. Texas will be September 6th through the 8th, and Pennsylvania will be September 27th through the 29th. You can register by calling us at 1-800-49-PURITY, that's 1-800-497-8748, or by visiting BeBroken.com. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today. My name is Jonathan, and I'm here with my friend Stephen Cervantes. So, how are you this morning? I am blessed and glad to be here. Thank yes, you. Yes, we're uh, we're moving right along in life, um, and so I I'm I'm excited about the things that are coming up in uh, the fall um, here at Be Broken Ministries. We've got a lot of things going on with our Gateway to Freedom workshops that are happening in September. We've got um, a workshop in Texas and Pennsylvania. Um, you can get information about those at gatewaymen.com. We've also got wives care groups that are launching. Um, the next set of wives care groups, our online care groups are launching in October. Get information about that at wivescare.com. Um, and just uh, other things, partner ministries, Authentic Intimacy is having their Reclaim Conference up in Ohio in the beginning of October. Um, I'm going to be one of the guest speakers at that. Um, if you want more information about that, you can go to AuthenticIntimacy.com. So there's just a lot of great things. Of course, if you want to get all of this in you know kind of one-stop shop location, just go to BeBroken.com. That's our main ministry website. So Stephen, um, would you say that fear is an issue in most people's lives on some level? Yes. I just think everybody has yes. like it can manifest in a lot of different ways, right? But I think fear is a is a human right reality. So we may do some rambling in this conversation, but we've done it before. That's we not uncommon, right? Your patience because we're just gonna dabble with a few thoughts about fear. Mm-hmm. Uh Jonathan thought this is a good topic. We we haven't spoken much about fear. And uh and I think that it's interesting because if you'll allow me, uh, we start like whole. We don't know we're not okay or that we can fail. We're just kids, right? Somewhere along the journey, things happen. And and we put on this outside self that sells well and presents well. But inside, we have a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know. And about the fear that's inside us. Mm. And I don't know, I just thought we should have a a little general conversation. At some point, I'd like to really break it down and dig into the pieces, but this is like maybe a bit of an overview. Yeah. So you understand what I said. There's an outside you and an inside you. 
And there's a lot of fear inside all of this. What well, kind of makes me think of uh, the when somebody will say, you know, they they kind of live their life like a like a duck on the pond, you know. What you see is this beautiful duck, and underneath it's just paddling like crazy, you know? And I think sometimes the fear is what's underneath. It's the things that can churn inside of us that nobody necessarily sees. Sometimes they do because it can manifest in different ways. It can manifest in anxieties. It can manifest in depression. It can manifest in shame, you know, these other things. But I think we're all on some level uh, afraid. And what I would say on that is um, uh, don't you think a lot of that is because there are many things about life and life experience that are simply unknown or unfamiliar to us? Yes. And don't you think a lot of fear is born out of that? For instance, anytime I do anything for the first time, I have some level of fear. It doesn't matter what it is. Sure, uncertainty, unknown. But but what is the fear? If you think about it, what's the fear? So I'll give you an example. Just the other day, I went to um, to lunch with a friend, and I let, I let him pick the restaurant. I'd never been to this restaurant before, and it's one of those restaurants where, of course, you walk in, and you feel like I'm supposed to know what I'm supposed to do here. You know, I've got three different choices here, and I'm supposed to put this with that and some kind of bowl here. and something. <laughs> and, and I was just... The fear was, I'm going to look like a fool. There it is, right there. That's right. Because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm going to fail. And not only that, right. then when the meal actually came to us, it was presented in such a way that I asked my friend, am I supposed to know how to eat this in a certain way? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to look like a fool, right? So there's a fear of looking foolish. So now you got my interest. What kind of restaurant was this? And what kind of food was I'd never this? been. It's called Zoe's Kitchen. Okay, and I'd never been there, and I, it's kind of like uh, it's it's a it's like the Greek food Chipotle. Oh, you know? it's like Chipotle. You know, you go through that line, and you're like, "Do I want a bowl? Do I want a wrap?" Yeah, or yeah, yeah. And it's it's sort of like Mediterranean food, but for in that same kind of way. Do you want a bowl? Do you want a you know? Do you want a pita pakia? Yeah. Do you want a? And then you shawarma. can put you can put these. Four different choices in there, and all, anyway, <laughs> those places intimidate and, me. <laughs> and it didn't even taste right, right? It was all Mediterranean hummus. This, yeah, too or much feta cheese. That, or, <laughs> yeah, how funny! That's great. But I think that's as a kid, you don't know. You just stumble along. But as we get older, we realize failure is painful, mm-hmm. and failure has a price tag. Right, and so we try to avoid failing. Absolutely, yeah, as much as we can. And it's interesting because we didn't know that as children. As children, we were just exploring the world. But then, when you put it in a context, I was reading this book, and uh, and this little girl was five years old, and they were Greek. And it's funny you said feta cheese. This mother made her daughter a little sandwich that had feta cheese in it. Right? She's five. She's got her 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 new school outfit on. She has her new school lunchbox. She's so hopeful. She opens her lunchbox, and the boy next to her. He's five, screams, stinky cheese, stinky cheese. This girl brings stinky cheese. And all the other kids, oh, no, stinky cheese. And it it hurt. I mean, oh, he, yeah, yeah. the mother's love is packed in that. It, her favorite food, her mm. favorite comfort sandwich, the mother's sending a blessing. But another human 
gets animated, mm -hmm. gets loud, controls the table, labels the girl as the stinky cheese girl. Oh, wow, She's yeah. five years old. She closed her lunchbox. She throws the food away. And for the next several weeks, her mother packs lunch and she throws it away. She does not eat lunch mm. for weeks. Mm. I mean, you think about pain and failing to be what, you, what other people and getting a label and being pointed out. And I, mean, I, I, I could only read the first three or four pages of the book. I haven't gone back to it. Yeah. It was so painful. To, to feel what that little girl felt. And she yeah. said, that was the beginning of my life. And, you know, and so it's painful to, to be a disappointment to someone else yeah. and for them to tell you that you're such a disappointment. And I think, I think a lot of that is because I, I believe we were designed to belong in community and in relationship. And I think that's something that's just hardwired into us as human beings. So at any point at which we are sort of cut off from the possibility of, of that kind of reception, like, yes. hey, I, I want you, you belong here, you know, enter my world, it's painful. And mm -hmm. then it can create shame, it can create fear, you know. Um, so, yeah, then I think in, in that particular little girl's case, I'm, I would imagine that had a huge influence on any kinds of risks that she might have taken from that point to enter into other social settings, right? Right. She sat by herself. She threw away her lunch. She tried to protect herself so she wouldn't feel any more pain. And that then becomes until... foundational for her relational paradigm moving forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because another girl had sort of... Um, her hair wasn't great, you know. And they, the boys started calling her names. Mm. And then name followed her. First grade, second grade, third grade. Then she changed schools after fifth grade. And she thought, wow, nobody knows me by this name. I don't even want to say the name. Sure, yeah. The person might, you know, why'd you say that? That's my right, story. Yeah. So what's a terrible name? A uh, dirty girl. I don't. We we'll just call her dirty girl. She has dirty hair. Look at that dirty girl. You know. Well, that dirty girl name followed her through fifth grade. Then she moved to another middle school and thought, "Oh, I'm free." And and for a few months, no one called her that. Then one girl from the same grade school transferred to the middle school, mm. and it started all through middle school again. Dirty girl. Dirty girl. Dirty girl. You know, you just think about how painful it is for someone to speak terrible identity into us. Mm -hmm. And it's just, and we're afraid that that someone's going to see us as inferior or call us a name. We're going to be outcast. Because you, you hit it spot on. We need to be included. We're made for inclusion, community, mm -hmm. togetherness, right? And so when, when you become the outcast, that's why we fear, yeah. right? Because you will label me as inferior, defective, bad, and then you'll cast me out, and I won't have a place to belong. Yeah. So think about that. You're such a, in high school, guys will say, you're such a weenie, you're such a wimp, 
you're not a man. One boy will say, you're not a man. What kind of, you're a weak man. It's like, no, no, don't put a label on me. No, no, don't tell me I'm not like, I need to belong here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So at our deepest fear is, will I have a place to belong? Well, where can I belong? I want to belong. Right? That's the first part. And then the second part is I want to be known. Mm. I want to be known. This this person said to me, it was a few months back, she said, I know how to live around people really well. But I don't know how to live well with people. Mm. Because all of my life, nobody wanted to know me. And I've been married twice. I'm in my third marriage. And I still have to live around people because no one wants to know me. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that sad? Yeah. There's, there's so much pain in that. And uh, I think what happens is the more that those fears almost get confirmed in our lives because of the way that people can mistreat us is then it it diminishes our willingness to initiate relationship, right? Mm. So the more that we are told, dirty girl, the more we're told, you know, you don't belong here, the more you're told by, you know, verbally or just by actions, I don't want to know you, that just further isolates us into kind of a, a separate life to where we then say, okay, I will live around people, but I know that I'm never going to say something that would invite deeper dialogue or mm. anything because it's like I've been burned too many times. And so it's right. kind of like there's a there's a spiral that happens with fear. It's like fear beget, begets more fear, right? Mm. And then eventually your world gets smaller and you pull away and you get further and further away from what you're actually meant for. And so maybe the discussion is is going into sad statements that we've heard that have a fear part to it also. Mm -hmm. Because here's another statement that was made to me in the last year. This guy said, I have never been loved well. Mm -hmm. I've been married a couple of times and in a couple of relationships. And this is an older gentleman. And he's saying to me, you know, I've never been loved well. I thought there have been a lot of people in your life all of those were misses? Mm, yeah. You know, and you hear the sadness. Does anybody want to know me? Does anybody want to pursue me? Does anybody want to esteem me? Does anybody want to include me? Or am I, I'm afraid I'm going to live with all this and then die. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, um, I think there's probably more people than we would imagine that are actually living in that state, uh, whether they are consciously acknowledging it or not. I think that's a state that many people are living in. Um, of what? Of, of of just the idea that does anybody want to include me? Does anybody want to love me? Mm. And I think you know when you peel those layers back, I think it's going to go way back into our history that a lot of those patterns of thought and belief originated. In mm. other words, I don't think if you're talking to a 50-year-old guy that is 
living more and more in isolation and disconnection from others and involved in all kinds of coping mechanisms and everything that you're going to say, Hey, that, you know, that pattern of fear and sadness and all of that just started last week. Right. No, <laughs> it's like, no, there's deep seated patterns right. that go all the way back. And that's why I think sometimes we need outside perspective of a counselor. We need kind of an objective, objective voice to look into our lives because when you're, when you're living your life, you're not necessarily aware right. of the things that you're picking up in terms wow. of bad thinking or false beliefs or or, un, or just um, unhealthy coping and, and those kind of things. Yeah, and I think that's a great question, and that's what I hope this discussion is bringing up, is how insightful about you are you? Mm. Do you know your fears? Right, because ultimately... We want to direct all our fears to God, right? Right. But we're talking about the creation and how he wants the creation to interact. Because, the, you know, if you, if you think about a parent and a child, right? And the child wants to be pursued, right? And, and you know what? I want to be pursued and you want to be pursued. I want somebody that will pursue me, that will find me, and that wants to know me. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's what I I would highly value that. And so you talk to some people and they don't get outside themselves very well. They can't pursue you because they're caught up in themselves. Right. You know, and in those conversations are hard because they're not very satisfying. But if someone's on a growth mission and a learning mission then I can learn from you and I can pursue you and you can teach me how you think and yeah. you can pursue me and you can help me see me because we're virtually a mirror for each other. Yeah, I can show you things about you that you can't see and you can show things to me that I can't see. I think what, and, and I think what you're describing there is, hey, that's moving to a place of, of maturity and health that I would say that I think most people are not at. Because as soon as you're saying that about, hey, I could learn from you, you could learn from me, these kind of things, immediately I'm thinking about the person who has deep-seated fears in their life. And what you just described would be would feel like a threat to them. It would feel threatening to them. Because maybe part of their identity based on their fears is no no i've got to be right uh, like in order for me to feel kind of safe and in order for right. me to feel like i belong i must be the right one and i'm wrong right. and right yeah. and that's very so safe for, for others it might be i need to be in control mm. you know so there's different kind of roles that, right. that we assume and so for you to then say um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna try to help you learn about yourself for the person that says i have to be right they go hey whoa whoa don't step in on me like that because right. if you tell me something that's flawed in me, no, no, I have to be right. Don't, <laughs> don't you understand that? Yeah. I don't want to hear that. And yeah. so many times fear then closes us off to having healthy, honest conversations that, right. about growth and maturity because we're going, that's threatening to me because that feels unsafe. So if you think about this, a parent will pursue a child, right, to learn that child. And, and it, it comes back to that. If you are pursued and enjoyed, then you know how to pursue and enjoy someone yes. else. But if you are left in your room alone, 
if you were said, hey, we're going to talk, the adults are going to talk at the table, the kids don't belong here, go be by yourself, right? If you were not included, if you weren't enjoyed, if you were left alone or had to figure it out, maybe you had a sick parent, maybe they were drinking, maybe they worked all the time, you were left alone, alone and not pursued, then you deeply crave being pursued. You are, you're afraid that nobody will pursue you, mm-hmm. but you don't know how to pursue and stay in that that discussion because the ultimate goal is intimacy. Right. Right, oneness. But it's a jostling match between two people to really create intimacy, mm-hmm. right? Which is really perfect love. If you think about what is perfect love, oneness with God or oneness with one another, or the two spirits meeting, your spirit and my spirit, right? Creating something that's bigger than you and me. It's mm-hmm. very intimate. It's very safe. There's a knowing. Yeah. What do you think? So I, I want to try to, I mean, we've done, a, I think, a, a good job of kind of painting sort of this broad swath of various ways in which, you know, fear can manifest and some of the sadness and disappointment and shame and those kind of things. Can we try to talk a little bit about moving from that state to a healthier response to fear? Because you said ultimately we we need to take those fears to God, right? Right. What are some ways that, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty in our audience that's saying, man, I can relate to many things you're talking about, about old childhood um, mm-hmm. situations that, yeah, caused fear or were born out of fear or whatever. But then, okay, what do I do about that? Now, how do I how do I respond to my fears in new and better ways so that I don't stay crippled by my fears? Yeah. So, so just be mindful. I'll make one more point here. Be mindful that fear lives in us because of the potential for rejection, right? Mm-hmm. But our spirit has an answer to that fear. And And we have heard so much fear language over the course of our life that we recorded it, and now we repeat it. If someone said, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're ugly, we don't want you, then we often repeat language of failure and shame and false identity. And so to get better is to recognize, to write down, to capture the dialogue and and realize you know, I got to tell you something. My aunt died about three weeks ago, and her body was there, and her brain was there, and all the physiology and the neural pathways and all the connections and all the memories stored, but the spirit left that body. Yeah. And so I'd like to do a talk at some point about you and what you think about this, but my point is that spirit was not the brain that had all the negative language in it. Yeah. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. We are spirits in bodies. We we own a brain. We run a brain. We are not our brain. Right. Because that brain went with the coffin to the grave. All the connections, all the storage, all the system, mm-hmm. but the spirit left the body. So remember just because you've heard a lot of language and repeated it, the spirit is in control of this body. Mm-hmm. You don't have to beat yourself up with the language that your brain knows. Yeah. And that's why I love the, the you know, when, when Paul talks about don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Yes. Um, you know, the mind is an immaterial part of us. While it, it 
utilizes our brains in our bodies, right? Right. The mind is really connected to your spirit. It's part of your spirit. It's, In other words, when the spirit left your aunt's body, the mind went with her, uh, with the spirit. Right, because that's the... Co- Ooh, the, this is an interesting discussion, right? Because we're talking about the brain is the organ. The brain is the, the physical mind, organ. But the mind is immaterial. Is, where you actually are conscious, where you actually have your thoughts, where you actually are alive mm-hmm. is in your spirit. And so I think it's important to recognize that. So when we're talking about be renew, through the renewal of your mind, um, it's not merely synapses firing in your brain. Mm-hmm. I think there's something far deeper than that that happens on the spiritual level that has the trans that that has that transformative power, so that you don't have to stay locked in these fear roles or these fear yeah language prisons. and yeah. failure and doubt. Because then, then we turn to our spiritual side for answers. Well, will you reject me? Or is there a place that I can belong that I'm safe? Right? That's that's the question we're asking. Is there a place for me to belong? Will I be loved? And if I mess up, can I be forgiven? And if I don't think perfectly, if I fear rejection, I, I want acceptance. Where can I go? And it's like the body of Christ. And I love the, you know, the psalmist says, the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it and are safe. There is a safety in Mm -hmm. the bosom of the Lord. And like we, you know, we're told that he puts us in his hand and that no one can snatch us out of his hand. There is a, that's, if you want to talk about belonging, Mm. like to be in the father hand, I mean, that's like. Wonderful, right. you know. Or I think about Jesus on the hillside, and the kids are running around, and they want to get close. And so let them come on. Let them come yeah. up here. They belong here. They have a place here, too. So I love that the church and our faith answers these questions of who am I? Am I enough? Where do I belong? I want to grow. I want to be known. I want to enjoy. I want to be enjoyed. I want to be connected. And sometimes humanity shows up and do does some of that, and sometimes humanity doesn't show up. One of the things that I would say on this, too, is is I really think that part of the, the reclaiming or the redemption of our fears and our brokenness and shame and all of that is, you know, you've said it many times in the past that our original design was to run around naked yeah. in a garden, Right. To be joyful, be naked kids in a garden. Innocent, and, yes. and so I believe part of that redemption is recognizing that we're on a path back to innocence. I love that. And can we, can we acknowledge... Let's let hang just a second. Sometimes Jonathan says very profound things. Please say that one more time, please. Remember, this is your mission today, people. Yeah, that our redemption is a journey back to innocence, back to the garden. Yes, where things are beautiful, where things are are blooming, yes. where there is laughter and joy and, and creation, sounds for, of nature for your and, eyes, yeah, beauty for your eyes, for your pleasure. Go outside and look at a tree and say, "Father, you made that for me to look at, for me to enjoy." Right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. Let's quiet the fear that wants to scream, and let's get back in our spiritual relationship and practice good spiritual skills because the answers are there. Mm-hmm. And I think to 
with that imagery to remember that, you know, God made us on purpose for the garden. Mm. And he actually made the garden for us. It's for our enjoyment. And so Amen. if we can start to look at kind of everything in our lives, the the nature around us, the yes. the relationships around us, and look to uh, maybe move on a journey to reclaiming the innocence in all those areas, I think that can start to heal our hearts um, to where we're not... Um, we're not controlled by our circumstances as mm. much because I think when you when you have a fearful spirit, everything around you has potential to spiral you down, right? Right. But when you have when you recapture that innocent spirit, that spirit of peace, then no matter what storms are swirling around you, you have that anchor for your soul. That's right. And you can pursue another human being, right? Mm-hmm. Out of innocence. And discovery, because that's we're made to learn and to grow and to put pieces together and experience. So you can create intimacy with anyone with an innocent heart and your Christ-like spirit. This oneness thing can happen, right? Mm -hmm. And that whole program quiets fear. Yeah, It's a new skill, right, to pursue and to be pursued, and to love, and to be loved, and to cry out in worship to your Father, and to enjoy his beautiful creation, and to practice one in it, oneness, and be part of the program, and build the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Well, so listeners, uh, you know, wherever you are on this spectrum of, of fear, um, we'd love to come alongside and journey with you and, and help you along the way. So please um, reach out to us. You can connect with us through puresexradio.com or on Twitter at puresexradio. And uh, we're glad you've been with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Amen. Thank you. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.